Good morning, everyone. So, so long. <laughs> Sometimes, I, you know, when I visit, you know, I'm usually, as a missionary, just go to a new church, and, and there's a, lot of, a little bit of tension on my part as how people would react and receive me, and I feel like I have to do something to break the mood. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, maybe I could tell you there's a... Um, you know how in Taiwan, they want you to all visit them. Uh, I want to tell you as a missionary in Cambodia, no, don't visit us. Don't come. <laughs> uh, not everyone is meant to be a missionary. <laughs> uh, some of you actually are better off not being a missionary. Um, it's, 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 uh, it can be tough. You know, you got to deal with cross-cultural things, you know, things that are new, and not everyone can do it. Uh, we, in fact, I, I wish... No, don't tell my team members this. I was going to say, I wish, you know, I wish some people would leave our team. But no, that's not true. I love my team. Um, I love them dearly, and they are great people. And, um, you know, what's needed in the mission field is, like, normal people. Like, you know, oftentimes you have missionaries. They're a little weird. Why would you go to another country, right? But actually, what's missions? You're just dealing with relationships. And so we need more normal people to go. And so if you think yourself normal, please do come and visit us. Um, I, uh, the reality is there are many ways that, uh, you know, I said not everyone is called to be a missionary. Not everyone is. And, but we are all called to do missions work. And there are many different ways you can do that. And I pray that... Uh, today, you would consider as many things were presented about missions, uh, the Nams in Taiwan and us in uh, Cambodia, that you would consider uh, what I can do. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, to continue to uh, participate in God's kingdom work to the ends of the earth. Uh, that people like yourselves, you have to understand that people in Cambodia, in God's size, they're your brothers and sisters. They're your brothers and sisters. They are so different in faith, uh, I mean, culturally, uh, how they grew up, but they believe in the same God that you believe in, right? There are people out there in different parts of the world that has the believe in the same God. So, you know, it, it encourages you to realize that my faith is not just some parochial, local thing just about me. No, there are others who actually believe in Jesus and uh, want to worship and so I want you to understand that there, uh, on this Sunday, uh, there are others worshiping with you, uh, proclaiming the same God as king. Uh, I'm going to read from Judges chapter uh, 16. Because of my eyes are bad, I'm going to have my own little thing. Judges 16 verse 4. I know the text is long, but I, I, I think it's important for us to get a sense of the story uh, and, and, and a refresh reminder for many of you guys. You guys know this story uh, really well. And so I want to preach from this. Judges 16 verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound and that one could subdue you. 
Samson said to her, If they buy me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound them with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in an inner chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him, bound him with them, and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me how you might be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with a web and fasten it tight with the pin, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So while he slept, Delilah took the seven locks of his head and wove them into the web. And she made them, made them tight with the pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he woke from his sleep and pulled away the pin, the loom, and the web. And she said to him, How can you say, I love you? Don't you love me? When your heart is not with me. You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Then when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees. She called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times, shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars and Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand let me feel the pillars on which the house rests that I may lead against them now the house was full of men and women all the lords of the Philistines were there and on the roof there were about 3,000 men and women who looked on while Samson entertained then Samson called to the Lord and said O Lord God please remember me and please strengthen me only this once O God that I may be avenged on the Philistines from my two eyes 
And Samson grabs the two metal pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and buried him up and buried him between Zorah and Ishtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. Now, Samson, I believe, is one of the most, most misunderstood persons in the Bible. You know, one of the big misunderstandings about Samson is his strength. If you had to picture and imagine what Samson looked like, how would you picture him? And if I stand before you, would any of you guys think, oh, missionary Tim, you're Samson. I bet you, few of you guys think that way. Um, probably more like uh, Chris Hemsworth, you know, Thor. You know, my wife loves him. <laughs> and I guess I'm not Thor. But the reality is, most likely, Samson to disappointment to many of you, look more like me. <laughs> you know, the average height at, at that time was about five foot three, four or so. And I would argue that Samson actually looked like an ordinary press person. His strength, where does his strength come from? It's not because he's big and strong, but his strength comes from the Lord. Notice even on a story that the Philistines wanted to know the secret of his strength. It was a secret. How can you be so strong? You you look ordinary, like a normal person, but you can do these great things. This is especially clear in chapter 16, verse 20. It says that the Lord, the Lord had left him. See, he lost his strength when God left him. Throughout the book of Judges, the judges are all able to accomplish great and mighty things when the Spirit of God comes upon them, even when they're afraid, and even when they're weak, or even when they're outnumbered, when the Spirit comes, they overcome all these things. And for Samson, it's mentioned that the Spirit comes upon him four times. He's the greatest of judges. See, he's not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So, but you may ask, you know, why does he lose his strength when his hair is cut? It's because the hair symbolizes his devotion to God, and so the hair symbolizes the spirit. It symbolizes the presence of God. It was a visual aid, much like the sacraments. And so when the hair was cut, being tied to the reality, it looked like and it appeared, the fact was that the Lord left him. But when the hair began to grow again, it was a visual reminder that God was once again with him. See, we have to be, we, I think this should, all of us, be, you know, we should all be encouraged by this. We should all be encouraged by this reality that Samson is just a normal person. It's when the spirit comes, he has this great power and strength to tear lions and defeat enemies. Why should this encourage us? Because most of us are pretty ordinary, I think, and I consider myself pretty ordinary. I don't think... I'm any, you know, special person. You know, if you're trying to find a job in the secular world, oftentimes you need some kind of 
special education, maybe some skill, but not so when you serve the Lord. Not so when you serve others in the church. What you need is the Spirit of God. And when you believe in Christ, the Spirit of God is com- comes upon you. The Spirit of God will be able to empower you and give you the gifts to serve and do all things and great things for his namesake. Paul said, it's not by, it, it, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I think this reality of how powerless I felt and how powerless I really am being in the mission field for the last few years, uh, that dawned on me even more clearly because with COVID and lockdowns and all these things happening, we couldn't meet. And I really felt very powerless. I thought, what can I really do? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? And reality is, even though all these things were opposing the gospel ministry, when I started meeting these people, I saw great growth, great growth when I wasn't even there. They were being reminded of the things that they learned, and the church was full, and church was, the people were gathering together, and I realized it's not me, it's the Spirit. And it's not just about ministry and life, I mean ministry, but also, I guess, in all ways in life. You know, when in the evening time I would tuck my daughter in and there was one evening I just, I just asked my daughter how she was doing and for a while I thought she was doing okay and she honestly just opened up and tears started coming down her eyes and she said, Dad, I'm lonely. And when she said those words to me, I felt so powerless. Didn't know what I can do to help her. Didn't know what I can do to encourage her. Maybe I have some words, but the reality is I just felt so weak at that moment to help my daughter. It's, you know, I don't change lives. It's the Spirit of God that changes lives. It's the Spirit of God that encourages and renews and transforms people. And all you have to do is when opportunity comes before you, when you by faith take that opportunity to serve, to give, to share, just take that opportunity that comes before you and the Spirit will empower you and give you the gifts needed to, for you to do your work and ministry for His namesake. And I have a friend of mine, and we were talking about missions, and I had to throw in my two bits and pitch to you guys. I have a friend of mine, he had real no interest, and he does really well his business, and he's making a lot of money, and he just don't know, you know, kind of felt a little lost in life, and he started, he visited us in, in Vietnam and in Cambodia, and saw the work that we're doing. Maybe not so much us, but what God is doing. And he was renewed, had a real sense. I have an opportunity here to give, to pray, to be involved in this. He seized the opportunity and the spirit was working. Spirit, through him, I'm so encouraged. Our projects are uh, supported. And God is doing his ministry work. And I want to encourage you. 
or to be used by the Lord. God's power is shown in weakness. The second point is that God uses the fool to shame the wise. You know, one of the biggest criticisms about Samson is his constant womenizing, right? The life of Samson begins in chapter 14 where he marries a Philistine woman. You know, when he wanted her, the parents are saying, you know, don't you want somebody else or someone among your own tribe, tribes, people, you know, among your own kinds of people? And Samson said, no, no, I want her. She is upright, right in my eyes. See, many commentators actually, or even Bible translation says, oh, she's beautiful in my eyes. That's not accurate. The word is actually, she is right in my eyes. And the word is often translated as upright. See, what's happened is that all his tribesmen, the tribe of Dan, had become idolatrous and they left. There's no one there. There's no one else. So when his parents asked him, he said, she is right, upright before God in my eyes, and therefore I want to marry her. When God does command his people not to take foreign wives, it's because of idolatry. These foreign wives will lead you into idolatry. But it's not about ethnicity. It's not about race. You are not to marry outside the faith. But as long as you marry someone upright before God, then you are free to marry. And clearly the narrator even says that God is behind his marriage. But what but, you know, later on, he goes to a prostitute's house. Why does he do that? In chapter 16, the first three verses, he goes to a prostitute's house. And God's like, you going, oh, that's wrong, right? But what you need to understand is that story about uh, Samson going to Gaza to a prostitute's house is, is parallel exactly to Joshua chapter 2. When Joshua is conquering the land, he sends two spies into Jericho. And the two spies go to Rahab's house, who was a prostitute. Why are these spies going to a prostitute's house? It's because they need confirmation of God's promise and judgment, the promise that he would give the land of Canaan. Why is he giving the land of Canaan to Israel? It's because he's displacing the Canaanites for their idolatry and sexual immorality. And so when these two spies see the sexual immorality in the city, they're being confirmed by God that God indeed is giving them this land. Their faith is encouraged. God's going to judge these Canaanites. And that's what Samson's doing. He's going to a prostitute's house to get confirmation that this Gaza, these Philistines are under God's judgment. And so what does he do? He takes the gates of the city, rips it open, and he runs to the top of the hill and says, Hey, Israelites, my people, look, this city is under God's judgment. There's sexual immorality there. Take the city. The gates are open. I opened it up. I opened the doors. Take it. But sadly, no one responds because Israel has also abandoned the Lord. So with all that in mind, what about Delilah in our story? Well, when you hear about Delilah and Samson, I think so many books and Movies and cartoons that you see present Samson and Delilah in this great romance. And maybe I would say that's possibly true. But the reality you have to ask yourself is, did Samson do something inappropriate? Is he, did he have inappropriate sexual relations with her? That's how some people understand this story. Does he sleep with her? 
But the text, the story never says that they actually had some kind of sexual relationship. In fact, the word love, it says he loved her. In Hebrew, in Hebrew idiom, is never used as an idiom for sex. He really loved her, genuinely loved her. And if you look at the story, there is this inner chamber, outer chamber. The inner chamber is the bedroom. The soldiers were hiding in the inner chamber. And so clearly, we're Samson and Delilah. They're in the outer chamber, the living room, the living space, the open space, the place of transparency. So there's nothing inappropriate going on. You know, when she has him lay his head on her knees, it's an act of trust. He trusts her. Right? In terms of Samson's character, some might say, well, you know, did he lie here? No, I would say he wasn't lying. He was just being playful, joking, joking around. In fact, he's giving her little hints to where strength comes from. Seven bow strings, you know, these number sevens. The Bible, seven, the number seven has a symbolic meaning, heavenly. And he's hinting to her, hey, you, know, you know, you know, my strength comes from heaven with these sevens that are being mentioned. So oftentimes, Samson in this story with Delilah is presented as someone who failed and has setbacks and sin. But I think that's incorrect. That's not the right reading and understanding of Samson. I actually think he's being faithful. And so what is then the point of this story? What is the point of this story? I would say the point of this story is love that's rejected, and betrayed. He trusts her, but for she betrays him. For what? Money. Money's her idol. She thinks she could find security, happiness, all that she needs from money. Why does Samson tell her the secret of his strength? Is he stupid? You know, some commentators say that. You know, think about this story. It's, you have, it's long, right? It's this repetition three times again and again. You think, what's going on here? Right? Why the length of this story? You know, have you guys, have you guys uh, ever loved someone that didn't love you back? Have you loved somebody that didn't love you back? And I have to admit in my college years, there was lots of women that I loved that didn't love me back. <laughs> and so I had to like go to another country to find a wife. <laughs> or uh, sadly, there may be parents. Um, I know some older parents who really love their children, but their children just have been so disappointingly not loving the parents back. What is this story about? Love rejected and even betrayed. Is Samson stupid? Think about this. Three times, it's obvious that she's betraying him. It's like, you get the hint now. You know, if you're calling... You know, you know I, I remember calling girls, hey, do you want to go out and meet? And, oh, you're busy. You got to wash your hair. Okay. I'll call you back. You call again. Oh, wow. You got to wash your hair again. I guess. Okay. 
By the third or fourth time, you should get the hint, right? She doesn't want to go out with you. Sam should should get the hint by now. It's obvious to any reader who sees this. I remember telling this sermon and story to these young kids. And I, as I was, I was going through it, one of the high school students was just looking, looking at this and going, stupid, 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 right? Get the hint. She doesn't love you. She doesn't love you. The reality is, she's constantly rejecting and even betraying his love. What is this story about? Samson's relationship is a reflection of God's relationship with his people. Samson is God's champion. So what Samson does and who Samson is, is a reflection of who God is. This is who God is. And you see this relentless, constant, even love when it's betrayed, love for this woman. Samson represents God's love for you and me. God's love for you and me doesn't make sense. It's foolish. Why should he love you? You're a sinner, constantly rejecting and betraying that love that he has for you. It's foolish love. God's love for you is foolish in the worldly sense. Is it wise in any way? And how sad that we would exchange God's eternal, unconditional love for something fleeting, temporary, like money, sex, or something of this world. You know, often we often said, you know, don't you love me, God? When in fact, God has loved you. God does love you. But we're often blinded by our selfish, unfulfilled desires. We don't get something that we want and say, oh, God doesn't love me. Why would Samson keep on loving? I don't know why. Just as I don't know why God keeps on loving you and me. Jesus loves us to the very end, even knowing that we would at times betray him. Jesus took Judas, who loved him. Judas, who kissed him, showing some, uh, you know, a kiss is not meant to betray. Jesus knew from the beginning Judas would betray him. And for what? Money. God would punish betrayers in the end. But for those who have been chosen and who believe and turn to Christ, there is hope and renewal. God will forgive you again and again, unrelenting, always. Peter betrayed Christ three times. But Christ prayed for Peter. Christ loved Peter to the end. And at the end of the gospel, Christ turns to Peter so that when Peter is asked by Christ, do you love me? Peter in response says, yes, I love you. Peter can answer, yes, I love you, because Christ loved him first. This question that Delilah asked, don't you love me, is just a way to manipulate Samson. Of course, God loves you. And now the question is asked of you. Do you love me? 
See, the gospel is seen in the Old Testament through the very life of Samson. There are so many things that are similar to see how Samson points to Christ. I don't have time for all that. But just understand that we can see that very love of Christ in Samson where love is rejected and denied and betrayed. Christ still loves, loves you. And as Samson bears the sin, Samson bears the sin of Israel, right? His eyes are gouged out. Why? He's being, he's, he's, he's being judged. He's made powerless. They gouge out to make him powerless, that he can't fight. And then he's forced to be a slave to grind mill and work for foreigners. Israel is enslaved, slaves to sin, blinded in their idolatry. So Samson is bearing the very curse of Israel. That's what Christ is doing on the cross. Bearing your very curse. Bearing even your betrayals. And on that cross, through his blood, not only your past and present, but even the very sin that you're going to commit in an hour is forgiven. His love for you and me. Samson's death is not suicide but self-sacrifice right he represents God when they took out the eyes of God they were attacking God and so Samson is bringing justice Christ is greater not only is Christ bringing justice Christ is bringing forgiveness for you and me why should you be involved in missions why should you serve it's very simple. God loves you. Christ loves you. And the wisdom of the world says money, power, position, these will satisfy me and bring me security. And I want to say no. You would only find security when you have a comprehension and understanding of God's unconditional, un- this foolish love. This relentless love he has for you, when you comprehend that, you will find peace and satisfaction for your lives. Please consider, you know, why I, I said, why am I in Cambodia at times? And in the end, I, there are many reasons I have, of course. But in the end, when, it, when a lot of them fell apart, it ended up being saying, God loves me. And so, that's why I'm here. So I want to invite you to join me, join others in this mission work. There are many ways you can do it. Simple reason. God loves you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit that empowers us, that we can serve, we can work for you. That even in our weakness, you will still do what you would want to do, accomplish great things. To even participate in mission work. But also your great love for us. Your unceasing love. Help us understand it more. And stir our hearts to also serve and help others. And 
be Christ-like. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.